I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Part of my passion for making this podcast is my sincere interest in people's life stories. I love to learn where they have come from and what lessons they have learned, what magic they have uncovered about themselves and who they have become up until this present moment. I remember when my first solo episode came out on this podcast and my friend said, wow, I never knew your story and now I feel like I really know you. It made me realize how unless you ask questions, you will never get to know a person's story. And I love to ask questions, which is why I have come to have my own podcast and love it. My guest today has an incredible and very magical story. I found him by listening to his podcast called Enhanced Living with Adam Kruger. He definitely has lived his life in a way I can relate to. He's someone who listens to that voice inside and just trusts and makes his move. Like Tony Robbins says, make your move. You are truly going to love Adam's journey and how he got to this present moment. This is another episode that you will want to take notes and listen to over and over again. His wisdom and knowledge on living a truly authentic and spiritually centered life is incredible. Before we get started, let me give you a little bit of background on Adam. After graduating with a degree in marketing, Adam moved to Los Angeles to follow his passion for on-camera hosting and stand-up comedy. He hasn't looked back since. Highlights include being on This Is LA on CBS, amongst many others. But most recently, Adam has shifted his focus to include helping others achieve peace through mindfulness and meditation based on over 22 years of his own spiritual practice rooted in yoga and Ayurveda. I am so looking forward to uncovering Adam's magic today. So without further ado, please welcome Adam Kruger to Uncover Your Magic. Welcome, Adam. Oh, wow. What an introduction. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's so great to be here. Oh, thank you so much. It's been so fun this last week since we made our interview date of researching and learning about you and learning about your family and how you grew up. I've I've just been, it's so magical. And that was when I, I even, I didn't know everything about you when I asked you to be on my podcast, but after I thought, oh my gosh, my listeners are going to go crazy over this one for sure. But what I wanted to do and how I thought was such an amazing part of your story is, you know, go from, you know, I think there's a moment in your life where you really like you did a pivot or you had a moment where the light bulb went off or magic, you realized something and then it shifted. What can you go back to a certain time in your life that you can kind of think of that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's happened a lot throughout my life. So, I mean, it's funny because from the time I was eight years old, and I've spoken about this on my show as well, 
I, and I don't know what other guy out there at eight years old knew, hey, I cannot wait to get married to the person of my dreams and have a family of my own. But at eight years old, I knew this. And so, you know, to skip ahead a little bit, I finally met the person that I was looking for. It took a lot of time to get there, but I finally found her. And now we're, we're living our happily ever after with our, our child. And, you know, I think that just having that knowing in that moment at the beginning, that was kind of like the thing. It was like sort of my my guiding light. And then as I progressed through childhood, I was raised Jewish and which by the way, I mean, I still am, but I, I'm more of a spiritually focused, you know, human being. And I, I focus on meditation and yoga. And I really believe that every religion at its core is essentially that truth of oneness with all. And so I had this realization around 13, 14 years old that you know, there's more to life. Like I literally, I remember having an existential crisis going, so what? So I finish school, I get a job, I get married, I have a kid, I grow up, I grow old and I die. I'm like, what's the point of all this? I literally had that existential crisis before I was even 16 years old. And so I had always had this feeling that there was something that I was meant to do in life. And paired that with the fact that I've always been very, very intuitive, very, very sensitive. I've always been able to feel other people's feelings and emotions I've always been able to feel their intentions. I've never been lied to without knowing it. In other Hmm. words, I always can tell if someone's lying to me. It's the most uncanny thing. And I can tell people's intentions from miles away. It's really, really, really insane. And it's amazing because it's helpful. But at the same time, you know, it's hard to kind of move through the world and be in a public setting when you're picking up on all of these energies. So I think that really... I would say that the turning point for me or the beginning of the journey was at that existential crisis where I was like, well, this can't be it. I have, there's got to be more. And so with that feeling was this feeling that, no, but I'm, I'm meant for more. There's something that I'm supposed to be doing. And so whenever I would get the little gut instinct to kind of call this person or go to this meeting or whatever it was, I would follow that. And it's never led me astray. I mean, I can literally draw a straight line from that existential crisis to me sitting here talking to you today. Wow. Was that how you were, I mean, how did your mom raise you? How was that? How did, is there, do you have a sister or brother? Yes. So all um, similar. Do you, are you completely different? We're very similar in a lot of ways. I have a younger sister and, you know, it's funny because my mom, my mom didn't know she was Jewish until she was nine years old because her mother was liberated from Auschwitz during the Holocaust. So she had survived, I want to say, it was three death camps that she was just miraculously able to be shifted from and then finally liberated, you know, <laughs> when the war ended. And so because they were living, my mom was born in Czechoslovakia, they were living in a communist country. And so her parents, who they refused to be anything in public. So my mom didn't even know. And so that's why I think I think that kind of set me up for the upbringing that I had, which it's funny because I went to a private Jewish French immersion day school in Canada. So By the time I was eight years old, I was fluently trilingual in English, French, and Hebrew. I knew more about Judaism than my mom ever really, you know, did, but that's why she did it because she never had it. So she wanted us to have it. And so, you know, growing up that way, she's always believed in, you know, what's meant to be will be, everything's going to work out. So that was kind of drilled into me as well. But at the same time, I feel like I was indoctrinated in this ideology, this religious ideology, which a lot of children are. And, and even as grownups, we, we, real, we don't realize it, but we've been indoctrinated at a young age. I mean, your, mm-hmm. your whole personality is formed by the time you're eight years old, like 80% of who you are. By the time you're eight, psychologically, they've proven this, that's locked in. 
And so there's only 20% that you're working with after eight years old. So in the first eight years, those formative years, you know, for me at least, it was, I want to say this, it wasn't super religious, but the worldview was more from a Jewish perspective, which is wonderful. I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying a lot of people or everybody, I think, gets that worldview sort of put into them from from childhood. So mm-hmm. with that, it's like, it takes a lot of strength to be able to be, you know, 20 to say, you know, I'm really into meditation now, or I'm, I'm choosing to go vegan or vegetarian, or when that's not what your family was raised with, and that's not how they raised you. So it's about kind of really having the conviction and courage to sort of stand apart from what you've been, you know, bred to believe, I suppose. Wow. Because that's what, you know, finding magic in your life, you know, teaching, I have two children and they're 14 and 11. And as an older mom and, you know, trying to let them go and lead and learn, but also using my knowledge and my wisdom that I've learned along my way to kind of do little bits of pieces, but understanding and what an amazing thing I have that I understand that by the age of eight, they're pretty much done, right? Mm -hmm. So in my life, you know, knowing that, I feel like I look at other children that don't have that, you know, and that maybe the parents don't realize the things that, you know, they're on a different path, which is all perfect. But it's just, it's setting your kids up for that, this life that they can lead and learn their own way, but also giving them the tools along the way to hopefully make it an easier way to get there. Yeah. How are you with that with Jacob? You know, it's interesting because you know, I remember being in my 20s and knowing everything. And, you know, because <laughs> when you, as you're right. growing up and you get into your teenage years and your early 20s, you, you think you know everything. And then, you know, you hit 30 and you realize, oh, maybe I don't know everything. And then, you know, you get out of your 30s and you're going, okay, I'm starting to understand what life is all about. You know, I know who mm-hmm. I am now. And so now let's let's be open to learning everything that I can learn. And so it's this weird kind of thing where, you know, I look at my son who's eight and oh, he, he is eight. Sorry. He's done. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's done. Like, he's who he is. And I'm, wow. I couldn't be more proud of who he is because he's kind. I mean, this is a child who, from the time when he was five years old, he told us he didn't want a birthday party. Instead, he wanted to donate the money to the homeless. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah, it's always something that he, I wish I could take credit for this. I can't. You know, it's always something he's been concerned with. We'd be, we'd get off the freeway and he'd see, you know, a homeless person on the side of the road and he, he would just be like, daddy, mommy, what's going on over there? Why, you know, what is that? Not what is that, but why are they not right. living in a home? And so we would tell him, you know, sometimes this is what happens. Sometimes that's what happens. How can we help? How can we help? What can we do? And hmm. so that's just always been his, that's just who he is. And so I'm so proud of this young man. I mean, he's growing into the, it's so fast. It goes so fast. Oh, it's, Tell me about it. And I look at it and I go... You're so lucky he's only eight. <laughs> That's how I look at it. Like, oh, I wish mine were back to eight again. I know. Little kids, little problems. Big kids, big problems, right? right? It changes things. But I look at it and I go, you know, I've been through all these different things in my life. I know how you should navigate this. But at the same time, I learned these lessons by navigating and creating my own mistakes. So it's a very fine line right. that you have to walk. And it's very difficult because especially if you're intuitive and you're really tuned in and, you know, when your child hurts, I mean, you don't have to be empathic, which I believe everyone is just a matter of mm-hmm. how, how much you tune into it. But, you know, when your child is hurting, you're hurting. Right. When your child is happy, you're happy. And so you want to spare them all the pain that you can. But at the same time, 
you know, the pain that we go through causes us to grow right. and it, and it really shapes who we are as people. So you instill the values and then when they go through what they go through, that's when those values come into practice. So it's really, it's a tricky line. I think the approach that we take is mostly, Hey, look, this is what we would do. We trust you. Now make your own decision. Now, of course he's eight. So a lot of the time it's, no, you have to do this, go clean your room because right. he's eight. <laughs> but I think moving forward, it's going to be about learning to trust in what we've instilled in him and then allowing him to navigate his way so that he can learn and grow on his own. And that's something very much that my mom did with us. So, yeah, I was raised that way too, not intentionally, but I don't, my mom didn't know any better, but yes, I was raised that way. And I think I just had to figure it out. And I was always the one that would, they would come to at college. How do you iron a shirt? How do you do laundry? <laughs> You know, and I kept, and I, how do you do anything? And I, if your mom does everything for you, protects you. And I try to tell that to my 14 year old who, you know, I'm trying to teach them certain things. I go, I have four years left with you. You know, this is my job. I want to help you. I want to teach you how to mop the floors. <laughs> you know, I want you to be prepared. I mean, talking about, but in life, right? You need to be, let them learn and fall. And, you know, you're there for them and it's hard to watch, but I'm learning that because I remember thinking before, like, this is just like my whole dream came true when I had these babies. You know, this is like the perfect thing. And when I look back and think of you at eight and, oh, you're so lucky you have that much. But I've really taken every day I live in the moment and I let them live in the moment and I teach them that. And it's like, I can't cherish the moments any more than I do. And I'm so grateful I see it that way and that it took me till 35 to have them. So I had the time before, right? But when you think of what do you do? Because I think you and your wife have rituals together. Mm-hmm. And I think I want to go back to how you met your wife, because I oh, think that's magic. When really I heard is. that story on your episode with you and your wife, I thought, first of all, I love your wife. Second of all, what a relationship you have. Third of all, the magic of meeting her and knowing. And I just, I'm not going to ruin it because I want to hear it. Okay. So I'll try to give the quickest version of it as I can, keeping as many details in as possible, because it really is an amazing story. We have a lot of things that have gone on in our life together that you could script in Hollywood and people would reject it because they'd say that's just too, no, that's not possible, but yet it happened. So obviously it is. So we met back in, at the end of January of 2009. Now I had just come out of my first, you know, how shall I call this? dalliance with marriage. Right. <laughs> um, trial, trial, trial yeah, run. Was, you know, it was great what it was. It, we were not right for each other. And, and that's, that's just kind of, you know, it's unfortunate, but it happens. And, and thankfully, you know, there was no children or anything like that. So we moved our, in our own ways. And when I met Sharice, I had finally come to a place. Now, remember I had said an eight-year-old me knew that I wanted to, you know, get married and have a family of my own. And that's when I'll be complete. And that's what I'm so excited for. And every person I've ever dated had a little bit of who my wife is in them. It wasn't the complete thing, but it was a little bit. And so that's, that's important to know because I had come to a point in my life where I was like, you know what? I was doing stand-up comedy. I was starting to, you know, tour. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to go on the road. I'm going to perform. I love what I'm doing. I'm okay if I never get married and I'm okay if I never have family. I'm complete in and of who I am. Now I had gone through a lot of different things at this point. You know, I overcame an autoimmune disease, which I was diagnosed with at 17. And that's how I discovered meditation and how I deepened my ability to listen to that inner voice and that intuition. 
And so I was really at a place now where I was, I felt very balanced. I had my spiritual practice, but I was still kind of very much rooted in the physical and doing, doing my thing and having a good time and making people laugh. And so I responded to an ad. They were looking for an MC comedian to host a show. And so I replied and booked the job. And for some reason, the whole time I had this feeling like I'm going to meet somebody. And I that doesn't happen with work. Like, it's just not a thing for at least at that point, till that point, it was not a thing. And I kept thinking I was going to meet somebody. And then I went to the rehearsal and I remember like showing up and going, I don't want to meet anybody. I'm happy. I don't want to, I don't want to be in anything. I don't want to, I don't want to date. I don't want to mess around. I just want, I just want to be on my own. And I went into the rehearsal and I'm looking around the room and I'm being introduced to everybody. And I'm like, no, it's not you. No, it's not you. No, it's not you. And I'm like, why am I thinking that? That's so weird. Meanwhile, the Britney Spears wasn't there. My wife has impersonated Britney Spears. She's, she's been on Jimmy Kimmel. She's been on Chelsea Handler. She has traveled the world because she's just that good. And so, but the, and I was like, yeah, it's not her. And, and so the night of the event, I showed up and I was waiting outside and I saw the car pull up and the person who booked the show was driving and sitting next to her, and, you know, sitting shotgun was, you know, one of the other people from the performance and right behind him, was my wife. And as they pulled up, I remember this, like, this is not a moment I will ever forget for the rest Mm -hmm. of my life. Our eyes met and I literally just kind of time stopped. I was just staring at her and for like a solid, like five seconds, which by the way, in real time, that's a long time to be (laughs) locking eyes with somebody. Like people are like, that's not long. No, no, no. Five straight seconds, just staring at this woman. And I was, I, I, I remember after the fifth second, and I'm just, I'm guesstimating here. I was like, oh, I hope she didn't just see me fall out of my face. And (laughs) she did, of course. And I didn't even realize that she was locked on me too. It wasn't, it was, we had this moment. And that was literally the moment that we fell in love, even though we didn't know. And so I remember the car pulled up and she stepped out and I was like, oh, can I, they introduced us. And I was like, oh, can I, let me take your bag. And I just for some, I just had this need to be around her and help her. And she gets out of the car and I'm not a very tall person. She is. And I remember she stepped out and I was like, oh, we're about the same height. I'm like, (laughs) I mean, when I say I'm not very tall, I'm not, you know, super short, but right. You know, I'm average and she's (laughs) tall for a woman. And so I just remember my first thought was, oh, she'll never date me. I'm too short. And so we ended up talking the whole night and she asked me to dance at the end of the night. I went and and gave her my card because that was a thing back then. Mm -hmm. And I was hoping she would give me hers so I could call her the next day. And she was like, cool, thanks. And that was it. And I was like, I couldn't stop thinking about her all night. And the very next day she called me and asked me out. And so we went out the following week. And two and a half months later, we were engaged. A year after that, we were married. And then a year after that, we had our son. And the rest, as they say, is history. Love that story. And I, I have a similar story. We did the same kind of thing. But so when, and when I tell my story, which is we met on It's Just Lunch and I knew, we, he knew it was like we got married, we got engaged after a sh- very short period of time, got married, had Paige, all planned, like you. But people would always say, well, I'm going to join It's Just Lunch or I'm, and then they get all upset. And I thought, you know, it's just fate. It is exactly yeah. where I was supposed to be. He was, I was supposed to meet him. And will you exp- when someone asks you that, how do you, like in life and God and the universe, and how do you describe meeting Sharice 
and that lock of eyes where you just knew or the moment, the day that you felt that. And she felt it too. When you listen to his episode with his wife, she'll explain her side, which I highly recommend. But when you, and because you both felt the same thing, mm-hmm. what explain that to me. So in my belief, you know, when we're not in the body, I mean, look, I think every, whatever you believe, I think it's pretty, I mean, unless you're completely atheist and you believe that we're just this hunk of organic matter that eventually just disintegrates and there's, and your personality is a matter of synapses firing in your brain. I mean, unless you believe that, then you've had this concept and this ability to believe that we are souls inhabiting bodies while we're in this lifetime and doing what it is that we're doing. And so for me, that is how I feel. I really think that as souls, we are in each other's lives because we've done this many times before and we're here to help each other through what it is that we're supposed to help each other through, whether it's to experience a life of wellness or experience a life of, you know, the opposite of that or to experience abundance or the lack or whatever it is. I believe that we come here to help each other through and to teach each other and to help define each other because on this plane, and by that I mean, you know, when you're in the physical I believe that there, I don't believe it's, it's, it's fact. I mean, we live in a world of duality, right? So there's no light without darkness. There's no love without hate. There's no, you know, we have to have the dichotomy in order to define what we are versus what we aren't right now. We are all the light in my opinion. And so I believe that Sharice and I in spirit form have been together for eons or for however long we've been together. And we find each other in different capacities in different lifetimes. And so when you, you've all had this, anyone who's listening right now, you know, you've had this moment where you meet somebody and you see each other. And just for some reason, like you're in a room full of people and one person stands out and then you get to talking and you find out you have all these things in common and you become fast friends. And then who knows where that story goes? It could be reason, season, lifetime that you meet this person, but you can literally in hindsight, look back and realize that you met this person because of X, Y, Z. Without that person, you would not have experienced some specific thing that you needed to evolve or to be who you are. And so I really think that when you see somebody that you recognize like that, someone that's familiar, that's just another soul that you've traveled with before. That's someone who, before you ever came in, you guys have a contract together and it's a, you know, hey, look, I'm going to hurt you in this way in this lifetime because that's what's going to help you grow. Or I'm going to treat you so well in this lifetime because it's going to help you, you know, heal from the past lifetime where you dealt with all this other stuff. And I have no way of knowing, of course, whether no. any of what I'm saying is real, but that's my belief and that's what I feel. And, and from my experience, that's what's going on. So, so I think that when it comes to meeting people and going through the things that you go through in life, you know, it's predetermined in a sense that you've predetermined it. It's not like, you know, people think, well, you know, destiny set. So what's the point? No, no, no. Before you came in, you made a decision that you wanted to experience all these different things. Now, Again, in my belief, at any point, you can choose to wake up and self-realize and and then literally shape your own destiny as soon as you can pull down the veil and realize that literally everything that you look at is basically an illusion. I mean, the physical world is is made up of atoms and molecules vibrating at different speeds, right? So, And most of it is empty space. So mm-hmm. it, we perceive less than 1% of the spectrum of light. So in other words, there's more than 99% going on around us that we can't even see. So we have no idea what's actually at play, but science and quantum physics has proven that essentially, you know, we have the ability to affect what we see with our minds. So 
at the end of the day, I think that when you meet somebody like that, or when you come across, it's, it's something that you've decided. It's something that you've decided you want to experience in this physical incarnation that you're in. I know that's super out there. And, and heady, no, I, well, I'm um, right but, with you. So I completely agree. And which is why I wanted to ask you that question, because I knew you would answer it that way, because that's how I would answer it. But I love your outlook and what you believe. And I feel like with Sharice and finding somebody to at that level and how she was raised, you know, explain to me, like she has an amazing childhood and, and her, she had parent, they chant. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so we, do you do that now? You do that with a family. We explain like what, as a little family of three that you have, mm-hmm. how does your day look when you wake up in the morning? So for me personally, I'll wake up and I will, you know, do my daily like cleaning ritual where I, you know, make sure that my mouth is all clean and I, you know, water on the face. And then I'll meditate for about 30 to 40 minutes, which is complete with breath work and visualizations and all sorts of fun stuff like that. You know, during COVID, of course, it's a little different. You know, our son is online working with actually my mother-in-law who was a third grade teacher for 30 years. Wow. That's jackpot. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't suck. I'll tell you that. So, you know, he does that. And thankfully, you know, I'm grateful for the technology because he gets to see his friends still and they do get to interact. So that's very nice. My wife is very similar. She'll wake up and meditate. We often chant at night with him before bed. So it's usually at that point during the day, we go about doing what it is that we do. And, you know, one thing that he has to do every day before we leave the house or while we're usually on the way to school, what we do is he does his his daily affirmations. So mm-hmm. he'll say them and then I'll repeat them. And so it's, you know, I'm kind, I'm courageous, I'm great, I'm grateful, I'm health, I'm healthy. I am actively calm and calmly active. I am generous and I am here to serve you know, all these wonderful, positive, powerful affirmations that he can just list off like, you know, at the drop of a hat. And he, you know, obviously will push back on us sometimes because he's he's a kid. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's rooted in these. And so at night he does his prayers. You know, we send out alms for world peace, for we have a prayer list for people who, you know, need a little extra healing. So anytime someone, we hear about someone who's, you know, dealing with an illness or whatever, we'll put their name on a list. And so we'll do an ohm for our healing list. Then we do an ohm for the world. And then we'll do one for each of us where we talk about certain things. So, you know, I'll tell him right before bed, you know, I'm so grateful for you. You are kind, you're caring, you're generous, you're abundant, you're healthy, you're wealthy. And then we do an ohm and then we do the same thing for mommy. And then we do the same thing for daddy. And then and then he goes to bed, and, and when my wife is in there, she'll chant with him. Typically, at that point, I'll go to meditate, and then she does the same. And and that's basically our day with all the work and regular stuff in between. Oh, so how, you know, like training your children, like I do the IMs with my girls since they were, you know, probably kindergarten. Before that, I tried a little bit. You know, we try to, like you were saying, you memorize them. I memorize mine too, and then I try to shift it, you know, like change them up a little bit. So we can mm-hmm. change the routine, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, training your child to do that and to think of the gift that you're giving him. Oh my gosh. But to be on the same team with your wife, you know, like I picture you guys in the car with, with Jacob and, you know, doing it together and at night, have you ever had a time in your life where you had to really struggle that there was a parenting, you were off each other, like one person believed in something more than the other. And you really had to convince yourself to come together Sort of. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I wouldn't say it was like convince ourselves to come together. I'm not necessarily big on chanting. It's just not something that really resonates with me that much. I do enjoy it. I, you know, I say my ohms and, 
and I there, but I'm just, I don't know. I, for some reason, it just doesn't resonate as much with me. I guess it's not something that I I've done in past lives or, or whatnot, but mm-hmm. you know, that's something that's very big with my wife. She grew up going to ashrams with her family, you know, and the guru that was, you know, I guess I don't want to say in charge, but their guru there, he, he was known as the singing saint. And so they were always chanting as kids. So it's just been ingrained in her. And so that's, so that's more her thing. So there've been times where, you know, we'll be in the car and we'll be somewhere and Sharice will start chanting because there's a chant for, you know, the protection of, of your journey. Right. And so she'll do that every time we get in the car because, you know, that's what she does. Mm-hmm. It's what she's done since she was a kid. And so there was a point in time where I was just kind of like, eh, I don't really, you know, I'm not really resonating with this, but it was never like, oh, you need to stop. It was just, all right, so she's going to do that. I'm just right. not going to sing along. So, and <laughs> right. partially because I still don't know the words, but <laughs> you know, also because it's just one of those things where I'm just like, okay, great. Thanks for doing that. I believe in everything because look, it's all vibration. It's all energy and it's all good. But as similar as we are, we still have very different personalities to an extent. And I personally believe that I have more that I'm working on with respect to who I am as a human and how I'm trying to evolve because I went through a lot more as a kid and you know, just the stuff that I experienced growing up, it's stuff that I, I'm now actively, you know, consciously working on to try to make myself better every day. And so that's kind of the the idea behind Enhanced Living and the podcast is, you know, I'm not coming at people and going, hey, by the way, I'm perfect. Let me help you be perfect. I'm saying, no, no, I'm far from it. I'm, I've learned a lot over the last, you know, 40 years on this planet. And I've had these realizations and I I know enough to know that I'm so far away from perfect and I'm always trying to be better. Let's do this all together. Mm -hmm. Like she inspires you is what I am taking away from that. Hugely. She's she's literally the most amazing human being I've ever known or met. I mean, she's, she's honestly, you know, and she'll, she, it's so funny because she'll say the same about me, but you know, and I, and I'm just like, no, honey, you're, you're really like, she's really someone who, I remember when we met and as, as I was getting to know her, she would do these things where like, she's the most kind, selfless person I've ever known. And as we were getting to know each other, because I had been so scarred from past relationships, from past dealings with people, I was for the first year that we were together, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. I was like, wait, there's gotta be something here that I'm not seeing where like something's off. You're doing, Mm -hmm. there's something, nope, I don't believe you. And here we are over 10, 11 and a half years later, and, you know, she's still that same person. So it's pretty profound. I mean, yes, she does. She inspires everybody that she meets to be the best version of themselves. So I'm just hoping to be, you know, half the man that, uh, or half the woman that she is, I suppose. I don't even, I'm, I'm not sure how to say that the right way, but yeah, half the funny. human that right? she is, you know. Uh, that, that, so going back to when you started this podcast, you were in the class after me, so we're about halfway different in episode numbers. Mm-hmm. What inspired you to do that? What is inspiring you? Where, what's lighting you up now? Where are you? What's the where's the angle of that Adam's going? Okay, well, actually, it's funny because you know you want to talk about finding your magic. So, pandemic hit. You know, I had a show that was in pre-production that I was going to be hosting that just kind of you know obviously it's it's not happening now based on all sorts of different factors, but the main one is COVID, of course. And I had about 25 events because I do live events as well. Those just kind of, you know, either were postponed or disappeared or, you know, inquiries that just dried up, which, I mean, nobody knows when we're going to be through this. And so we were sitting there and, and I remember talking to Sharice and saying, you know, 
I feel like I just need to help people. My practice has gotten so deeper during this time. Like I, I just, I want to help people meditate. I want to help people find calmness. I want to help people do, you know, become more aware and, you know, be, go forward on their journeys. Like, I don't know, should I become a life coach? Should I, maybe a podcast? I think I want to do a podcast. And the next day she was like, hey, my friend Michelle is doing this podcast accelerator. You should check it out. And I said, great. So I checked it out, signed up on the spot, already knew what the podcast was going to be called. I had like, I right away had decided. And literally, as I had said, I was going to do a podcast. I, the, the accelerator just fell into my lap. Like just, mm-hmm. you know, you want to talk about really having an intention just kind of manifest. It was that. And so, that. yeah, so there was just, so I just did it and, and I, I dove in head first and, you know, throughout the accelerator class. I mean, I remember there was, you know, we had eight weeks of work and by week four, I was already on week seven. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it was one of those things where I was just, I was ready to go. And so I launched it and everything's been really wonderful. What's lighting me up right now is A, seeing it grow and B, you know, I'm coaching, you know, different people on how to really A, find their center and get balanced and meditate and also to be able to come at life from an aware space. So a lot of the times, especially now, you know, things happen and we respond and we just, we jump in and we we react. And with a solid meditation practice, it takes life away from like right in front of your face and it pushes it out about a couple feet so that you can take the time to really evaluate what it is that you're going to do or how you're going to respond and how you're going to be in the moment that whatever it is is happening is happening. I hope that makes sense. Yes, so, totally. Yeah. So I'm super excited about that because it's this whole other level of my life now where, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to still host events. I'm still going to speak. I'm still going to do all these wonderful things. But right now I'm focused on, I have a meditation program that I'm offering for corporations for wellness and productivity. It's a weekly meditation class that I'm offering to businesses right now to help their employees who are home and telecommuting and just losing their minds over being on Zoom all day. And yes, it's a Zoom call. But That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> it's a meditation, you know? Right. And so, so yeah, between the coaching and the, and the corporate wellness program, that's really got me lit up right now. When you, you mentioned a few, when I listened to your podcast, a few books that you loved, the one book that made the first difference in your life was the, was the Celestine Prophecy. Mm. And I love, that was probably, I feel so aligned with you. I feel like we're like, it's so weird. I'm, you're saying things that I'm like, oh, I, we're like the same person. <laughs> but I, when I heard that, I go, oh my gosh, I love that book. I remember that really making an impact in me. Mm-hmm. And I need to go back there and do it again. But that other book that you read, The Soul's Journey or something like that. Journey of Souls. Journey of Souls. Will you talk about that? Because that really, I need to read that book. Oh, you do. It's a really great story about this. I was talking to my friend Don Stables. He's a realtor here in LA and he's a really dear friend of ours. And we were having this conversation about what deja vu is all about because I've had that since I was a little kid. And I remember standing on the sidewalk just talking to him and saying, you know, I really believe that the deja vu that you have. So for me, it's I'll have a dream. And then a week, two weeks, a day, a month, I don't know, however long later, I'll be sitting somewhere and all of a sudden, like I'll catch a glimpse of something and bang, I'm into the dream again. And I remember the dream and I'm talking to someone and I can hear the, like, I know what they're about to say, but it's so quick that my brain won't work to say what they're saying at the same time. Mm -hmm. But nothing ever happens. It's very like, you know, completely just benign. And I was like, you know, what I believe is before we ever incarnate into our bodies in, in this world, you know, we, we go into like a room, sort of like a, a viewing room or like a bubble, and you see every possible permutation of whatever life you're going to live looks like. So you see every possible, you know, 
decision that you'll ever make and every path you're going to possibly go down. And whenever you have a, a deja vu, you're just remembering, you know, seeing that. And so mm. I, I was like, I think that's what I believe. And so Charisse came home one day from the yoga studio with a book called Journey of Souls by Dr. Michael Newton. He's a psychiatrist or psychologist. I can't remember which one. I mean, there's not much distinction other than prescription uh, or prescribing <laughs> medication. But right. so he, you know, he worked with hypnotherapy to help his clients deal with childhood traumas. And he was not someone who believed in the spiritual. This is what the book is all about. But he one day accidentally regressed someone into a past life. Now, once they realized this and he brought the person out of hypnosis, he was like, no, 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 this can't be right. They looked up the information that the person reported and they were able to verify that this person was remembering this person's life. And so he started incorporating that into his therapy. And then before he knew it, there was one time where he accidentally brought someone into the place where we go between lives. And so the book is all about, and he's put hundreds of people into hypnosis and they've all said the same things. So this is corroborated wow. by hundreds of hundreds of people. And he talks about, you know, what happens to us when we're not in the body, when we're not, you know, here on earth. And one of the things that blew my mind, it, in fact, it caused me to actually go and have my own past life regression done, was the point in the book where he talks about right before what he learned is right before we incarnate, we go into a viewing room and we get to see everything that we're about to go through in life. And I had, and I, and I, as I'm reading this, I remember like, I kind of dropped the book because I was like, I was breathless because I had literally like, I think it was a year before I had been talking to my friend Don and I was like, this is what I think is happening when I'm having huh. these deja vus. And then I read it in a book and wow. I was, I, and so I was just completely floored. Anyway, the book itself is absolutely, it's riveting. There's a, a sequel to it called Destiny of Souls. You're going to want to read that one too, because it's further case studies on life between lives. And, you know, it's really fascinating. The one thing I took away from it though, is that regardless of what you've been through in past lives, whether you believe in it or not is is sort of irrelevant. The thing that you need to do is really do the best that you can here and now and be as present focused as you can here and now and just try to be the best version of yourself here and now. Right. And to be in the moment, right? Live in the now. You know, yeah. Eckhart Tolle was that book. It's always been something that hits me is, you know, the, the now, the power of what is this book called? The Power of Now. Yeah, The Power of Now. Yeah. Um, but yes, to to do that. And I think that's so, I love your, I love that book and I need to read that. But when you talk about meditation, because I know that's a big part of your life and so many people struggle, but when you hear everybody talking, like that's the ticket, you know, if you meditate, that's, you're on the next level. Like that is so important. How do you get somebody, how do you get these people that are working in these, that you're doing these Zoom calls to meditate and to really, you know, not get their mind to shut down? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where first you have to be willing to do it. I mean, most of the time people, they talk about it and they say, yes, I want peace. I want happiness. I want prosperity. I want all these things. What's the quick fix? We live in an instant gratification society. The fact of the matter is, is that with meditation, the only you're not going to meditate once on a Monday morning and then have benefits for the rest of your life. It's not, you know, it's like, it's like brushing your teeth. You can't just brush your teeth once and then expect to have no cavities or right. take one shower and then in a month feel fresh. You know what I mean? It's just not, <laughs> right. you, it's something you have to maintain. It's something you have to do on a consistent daily basis. So really at the end of the day, it takes a desire. It takes people being at the point where, you know what, I've achieved 
all these things in my life, all this, you know, I've got the Lamborghini or not even the Lamborghini. It could be whatever it is. I, I got the promotion, but you know, it was great for a minute. And now here I am still in the same place, just making more money. And, and it takes that shift for people to understand that, yes, the law of attraction is real. Can you manifest more uh, material things in life? Absolutely. Is there anything wrong with having material things in life? No, it's wonderful. Go enjoy that. There's no part of spirituality that says you have to live under a bridge while meditating in a loincloth. Like you don't, right. <laughs> you can meditate in, in your palace. It's the point is, is that you shouldn't put your happiness on those external things. And so once you realize that it's so vital for you to sit down and actually get to that point, then it's a matter of simply, okay, well, I take people through breath work, which when you do pranayama, which is the yogic term for it, an Ayurvedic term, the breath work actually calms your mind. So if you ever notice, if someone's having a panic attack, their breathing is just out of control because their mind is racing. So when you slow the breathing down, the mind stops. So the mind and the breath are inextricably linked. You have to be able to calm the breath before you can calm the mind. So when you do that, and we, so I'll start with, with breath work. And most of the time, it's so, it's so cool to watch people's faces shift mm. as we do, you know, just three rounds of Bella's breathing. And you go, you watch them from like stressed to sort of calm to completely serene. And then from there, it's about taking them through the technique. And then I'll do a guided meditation where there's visualization to show you how powerful your mind is and to show you that your body has no idea that you're not actually experiencing what you're seeing in your mind. Mm -hmm. And so from there, that's how you can create the life that you want. And so getting people to slow down, it's really just a matter of, A, they have to want to because you can't force it on somebody. Right. But once they do, it's about literally like you'll hear it in a yoga class, follow your breath. It's, it's literally that. It's as simple as that. And it's just knowing how to do it. And so what I like to do is teach people how to do that whenever they want so that they can come away and go, okay, I'm in a stressful situation. Hold on. I need five minutes. I'll be right back. And then they can sit down, they can breathe, they can collect their thoughts as in push them out and mm -hmm. be in that place of no thought. And then from there, you're in a place of awareness where you can actually come at whatever problem is coming at you from a place of power instead of fear, a place of love instead of fear, a place of uh, decisiveness and action instead of reaction and lashing out. When you teach them, how do you feel like the success rate is? Is it like a 50, like some people really get it? Some people struggle or are they all going, oh, got it. I got it, Adam. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, there's varying things. A lot of people have different issues along the way, which is why I do private coaching as well. And it's funny because it's so funny. I mean, from the time I was little, I would meet somebody and within minutes, they're telling me their whole life story. And I'm, when we're talking and then they walk away going, wow, that felt like therapy. Thanks. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not, I'm not a therapist. I just, for some reason, people like to tell me things. And so. Well, you're a good um, listener. That's I, a big thing. I try, you know, I'm definitely genuinely interested in what people have to say. And I've always felt a desire to, you know, if something's bothering someone, I'm like, yeah, tell me, like, let's try to get to the bottom of it. You know, right. sometimes I've learned in my, in my later years, later years, middle years, I don't know. But as I've gotten older, I've learned the, what the power of venting is and how sometimes people just want to tell you things and they don't want a solution. And right. so, you know, that's okay. That's a form of therapy too. But yeah, I mean, it, it, some people can just take it and go, great, I've got it. Three rounds of Bellows Breath and then, you know, do this, do that, the other thing, wonderful. Some people are just like, I don't, I need to, I don't know what to do. And so mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well, here, very simple. This is what I want you to do every single day. Just do this. I don't care if you're sitting there and the whole time you're thinking about how much you hate it. 
do it. Because right. the action, just the action itself will eventually breed a habit. And when you get into that habit, you're going to start to find, you're going to start to reach that different level where you start to really reap the benefits. Right. So true. You know, we're coming to the end, but I was thinking of, you know, we're in this quarantine COVID pandemic and we've been in it for a few months, right? And I feel like, you know, the kids are struggling with online school and, you know, some marriages are failing. And, you know, I feel like, you know, it's been a lot of pressure on people. But then on the other side, I look at it like my marriage is better than ever. My kids are fine. We're, you know, we've grown. We've learned to sit for dinner and play games and just enjoy this time. And I've, I've cherished every moment. In fact, it's online school on Monday and we're all okay. You know, this is how it is, right? Mm-hmm. But when people come and my thing I think about you is like your relationship's amazing. And I, people probably think, well, isn't he lucky? You know, he found his, you know, soulmate. You know, of course it's perfect. You know, here he is, he has his, you know, he knows how to create peace. He knows how to meditate. But if one of the listeners out there are thinking that, what would you say, just one thing right now that you've learned from this time that we've all been shut together? Like, what's your take? And how would you help a marriage that's been struggling or, you know, they're trying to figure out how to, you know, make the most of this time? Well, I mean, first I'd say that, you know, no relationship is perfect. There's no such thing. I mean, it can be perfect in its imperfection. You know, if you're struggling in a marriage, look, at the end of the day, I always say, if most of the things that you guys have together line up and there's just things that drive you nuts about each other, work on yourself. Don't even think about what, what's driving you nuts about them. Forget about them. Work on you. What's causing you to be feeling this way about what they're doing? Because a hundred times out of a hundred, if you can change your internal world, your external world will shift as well. Mm-hmm. If you can just choose to love your partner unconditionally, that means I love you no matter what. It means, you know, there, and that's, that's what we've founded our relationship on. We're connected spiritually first. We love each other unconditionally. So that means that we can have a blowout fight. Sure, it happens. I mean, less frequently these days, of course, but we do disagree. We'll bicker sometimes, but we instantly or within minutes will realize that, hey, look, I'm sorry. That was silly. I love you. I love you too. Cool. We're good. But if you can work on yourself, that's the biggest thing that I'll say. I, I actually list my episode today that uh, dropped on Enhanced Living is literally all about this. It's about relationships. It's about realizing that wherever you go, there you are. So until you fix what's going on with you, sure, go get divorced. Go find that new person. That first, that new relationship is going to be amazing for the first six months. But then all the stuff that you've just been dealing with, you're just going to deal with it again until you learn to put that to bed within you. So the biggest advice I could give would be work on yourself first. Do what you can to be the best version of you. Treat your partner with love and respect. I always say that the best relationships come with communication, service, and respect. So treat, you know, be be able to communicate. Mm -hmm. Treat it as an act of service. You know, how can I help this person? How can I, sure, I'll rub her shoulders or I'll rub her feet or I'll do the dishes or I'll do whatever it is. Just right. do something to be of service and then respect each other enough to not call each other names, to understand that, you know, on a spiritual level, you're equal. So just be there for each other. And again, the one most important thing, work on yourself first. Don't tell them they have to change. Change first. Yes, love that. Oh, Adam, this has been amazing. So blessed to have you spend this time together. I can't even explain how many things I learned from you and the podcast. I mean, I go listen to those episodes over and over again. You have so much wisdom and love it. 
and you, where you've come from, where you are now. And I can't wait to see where you're going and I can't wait to watch you. But if you could give us where we could find you, I know we can find you on your podcast, Enhanced Living. Where else? Um, my website, theadamkruger.com. So T-H-E, Adam Kruger, A-D-A-M-K-R-U-G-E-R. Right there. That's kind of like my professional landing page. Enhancedliving.net goes right to that. Also on Facebook, we have a group called Enhanced Living where I like to post all sorts of free resources, fun, different, um, not fun. Well, yeah, there's fun stuff like what's your favorite dessert. But a lot of the times (laughs) it's about, you know, helpful quotes and thoughts of the day. And I'll go live on there sometimes. And Sharice is going to be teaching yoga in in the group as well. So that's, you know, come and join the group. It's, It's a really great resource. And I would say those are, those are the best places. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You'll have to do it. Come again so I can hear the part two of you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.